Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Joining me today is Brad Kirkpatrick, the Chief Commercial Officer at Hydrogen Health. Brad, how are you today? I'm great, Jared. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to, to kick this off. was really excited when I was kind of hearing everything coming together for Hydrogen Health. And then, you know, I got connected with members of your team, started learning some more, became even more excited than that, and uh, really uh, very, very happy with the the team that you you all uh, have over there, and then the the backers that you have as well. It's incredible. So now we have you on to learn more about about everything, and then talk a little bit about primary care. So let's uh, let's dive into it. Tell us about your background, and we'll then talk about hydrogen health. Great. Well, Jared, we're excited. You're excited, and uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah. So I consider myself. I'm Brad Kirkpatrick, Chief Commercial Officer. I consider myself a, a healthcare brat of sorts. I'm in 30 plus years of trying to uh, make an impact on the business side. I'm certainly not a clinician of healthcare. I've had the pleasure of being able to launch the expert second opinion space years ago, be involved in the early stages of well-being, somewhat tied to, I think, social determinants today. The idea that, you know, we're, we're broader than our the physical being. Um, and so some really, really cool uh, endeavors trying to move, I think, the needle around healthcare. But primary care is really where to me, it all starts and happens. And so uh, really, really excited to, to be at Hydrogen. Been on board a little over a year. And as you mentioned, we're doing some very exciting things. And give, just in case, I always say, just in case someone hasn't heard about Hydrogen, can you give us a quick overview of the company uh, so that we can make them as excited about uh, the, the company as uh, we all are? Sure, would love to do that. Thanks for the opportunity. So Hydrogen Health is a joint venture with K-Health. K-Health is a direct-to-consumer primary care company, virtual primary care company that has about 6 million users, has been after this about five or six years and took a, a very unique and creative approach in using really large data sets, clinical data sets, um, about 2 billion. I always say billion with a B, so people don't think I say million, 2 billion um, health events and taught the machine the language of medicine. And so what it allowed them to do and us to do is at any time, 24 7, 365, if someone has something they wonder what might be going on, they can work through a very customized health dialogue or AI driven algorithm that will basically give them an output in, let's say, three to five minutes um, on what's happening with them with a probability using patient like me um, technology. Uh, that was the beginning of the company and quickly realized that people did want to speak to a physician uh, at some point. Um, and so they, we were able to connect in what we call our KMDs our physician layer. So we now have about 250 physicians. We see about um, two, three, 4,000 patients every single day. We'd be one of the larger health systems in the country if we were considered that way. And we do virtual primary care across the entire enterprise. So that's what K-Health does. Hydrogen Health took all of those assets and basically brings them to employers, health plans, provider groups, so that we get, uh, in addition to direct-to-consumer work, we're able to serve the enterprise or commercial space. Yeah, it was a it was a very interesting relationship. Uh, I had K Health on uh, probably might be might be like two years ago. It was it was a while back. Um, it's it's been interesting to see how much they've grown, and then this this relationship here, and and how how this is gonna you know um, 
continue to, to make that happen and then also uh, grow hydrogen health. Can we talk a little bit about you know, why primary care is so important for, for you to you know, in, invest in this space and want to um, continue to uh, improve it? Uh, would love to hear that. Yeah, thanks, Jared. I could go so many ways with that question. I, I think if you think of the word primary, and I looked it up in the dictionary, I think it's of utmost importance. But yet, as a country, we don't really consider primary care as of utmost importance. Um, I think you've probably seen the data. We, you know, we spend on average five to six percent in primary care, and other countries that are similar economic status as us are, are spending two to three times more. So I, I think one, we have to get back to the reality that primary care is the health safety net for the population. It helps them through anything that they may have that's symptomatic so they can be productive at work and at home, but it also helps them through managing chronic illnesses, disease prevention, catching things early. Um, if you think about what's going on, I think in let's, let's say all of the commercial and or Medicare Medicaid space, the, the biggest concerns out there I think are um, increasing costs from a unit perspective, but also you know increasing number of large claimants. And I think if you go back and look at the reality of us not investing in primary care as a country or as a as an industry, um, we're contributing to that. You know, if someone can get find out that they have cancer in an early stage, much more treatable, right? Much less expensive. We all know that, but we don't really, I think, go creatively in order to attack the fact that primary care needs to be accessible. It needs to be high quality, and it has to be cost effective. And you have to be able to scale it. I think there's a fourth variable. And I don't think we've been able to do all four of those things. And so at Hydrogen and K-Health, we're completely focused on those four items. Now, you, you mentioned something around diagnosing, um, and, and I think this kind of ties into my next question. Uh, why, why is primary care, I guess, uh, so difficult to access even today? Yeah, I mean, we, we have a massive shortage, right? That's one issue. Um, and if you think about what happens with the shortage is you, if you're a new patient, um, let's say 30 to 50% of an employer's population doesn't have a primary care relationship, hasn't seen one in the last 12 months. So if you're one of those people and you actually want to get primary care, you actually want to start taking care of your health, the average wait time ranges from, if you're lucky, four weeks, it can go six to eight weeks. Um, before joining Hydrogen, I had seen the same primary care provider for 20 plus years. And, and if I had to travel and I travel a lot, miss an appointment, it was three, four weeks down the road. So we obviously have an access issue in this country. Um, and we now in the year, you know, we're in, and I think the, the millennium we're in, we, we really want things when we want them and we deserve them. And so primary care isn't really served up that way. It's, it's really much an older school model of, hey, we'll get to you when we can get to you. Um, and what that causes if someone has a symptom and they don't know really what to do with, they end up at the emergency room, they end up at urgent care, they end up getting fragmented healthcare that's not longitudinal, more expensive, um, and is really not helping them. So access, I think, is, is the first part. But we don't want to do just have access with no quality. So I think you have to have the two go together. And and I guess how do like um, how do care gaps, for instance? So I've been talking with people more around care gaps. How do care gaps uh, care gaps affect a company's bottom line? So this is kind of going towards. Uh, I guess the enterprise side of things, which you were talking about, but um, I wanted to make sure that I, I brought this up because um, the difficult to access can be both for enterprise, but then also the consumers. Right. Yeah. Um, but I guess 
when you're talking bottom line, yeah, you can include consumers in there, but um, definitely more for enterprises. Can you talk us through, uh, I think that's what's so cool about you doing both sides, the both the, you know, the, the individuals and the enterprise, um, you know, how care gaps uh, tend to affect a company's bottom line. Yeah. Um, so it's, I'll talk about you know, the, the three and a half years before I, I, I joined Hydrogen, I was at Elevance where Anthem um, and ran a big portion of the international accounts business. And so I had 4 million people that were under my team's purview and about 300 national clients. And so I sat and looked at data with clients and consultants, felt like almost every day, but probably every week for sure. And constant th thread showed up. Um, the employer would say, how come I have this many um, ER visits that were avoidable, right? What can I do about it? How come I have, as I alluded to before, an ever-increasing large claimant kind of list that I'm, if I'm a large enough employer, self-funding completely? And, and how come far many of those don't look like the old traditional, I'm going to call it train wrecks or car wrecks? They're, they're chronic patients that have been unmanaged for, for multiple years or not even diagnosed. So care gaps, closing care gaps go, I think, basically right to both of those. If you can get somebody, somebody included in their health and they actually want to take care of themselves and they see that they have a healthcare safety net there 24-7, like we provided hydrogen and K, then they're likely to close those care gaps. They're likely to turn to us when they need help. And by doing so, if it's a diabetic, for example, we, we know that they're operating in their body as well as they can operate if they get the eye exam, the foot exam, and A1C taken taking at least once a year. So we know that we're, we're doing a good job. It's a form of outcomes, and we shouldn't end up having that patient end up being a large claimant with renal failure at some point. So they all tie together to make sure that we're doing the best we can as I think an industry to take care of our, our people, if you will, our human resources to ensure they're productive and, and not costing anybody, the, them or the company more than they should. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I look forward, you know, to continuing to see this space evolve. And I know you guys are playing your huge uh, role in doing it. Um, because I, I, I always hear about um, more more than before, you know, everyone was always when when you would start a virtual primary care company, you would be strictly we're only going to deal with the consumer. Right. We're not going to go after the, the enterprise. And now more and more people are realizing that we do need to actually work with the enterprise to to if we truly want to make healthcare better. Yes. Right. We need to work with both sides. Um, so one of the one of the cool parts when I was um, you know, K Health, one of the, the apps I've actually um, you know, I've, I've used a lot of them, but one of the ones I used early on when they launched their app, because they were really great with the chat functionality, right? And the, the yeah. AI. So as it relates to, obviously there's a relationship there, but as it relates to like, um, what role do algorithms and AI play in the future of healthcare? I always, I always ask everyone some future question when they come on the show. Um, so for your question, it's around AI and algorithms. What, what's their uh, future in, in improving the future of healthcare? Yeah, thanks for the question. We, we think it's huge and it's our, the future's now, right? I don't, I don't think it's, uh, it'll only, only get better and better. So from our perspective, we want to deliver better medicine. So it's not just access. I mentioned quality and that's really better medicine. Um, and, and AI can play a great role in that. If you think about, we still pretty much deliver a cottage industry for primary care. There are electronic medical records, EMRs, that try to bring things together for the physicians. But at the end of the day, it's still pretty much a billing system and a, and a minimal clinical collection system. 
And so what we believe AI does and what it does for us already is it feeds that electronic medical record where our physicians live. 93% of them are W2. They're with, working inside of our platform every day. So they, they are seeing that, um, we'll call them health dialogues or clinical intakes that are bringing information robustly into them using AI. So it's not a you know, linear algorithm. It's actually looking at the last question and answer from the patient and, and collecting really critical information, whether it's as a new patient or managing a chronic patient. Doing all of that allows the physician then to really see a complete view clinically of that patient, operate at the top of their license, which is what they absolutely want to do, get the right diagnosis the first time. And then we've gone as far as if you've read about the work we're doing with Mayo, get the right treatment the first time. So we developed deep learning models with, with Mayo using their data so that we can get the right prescription for a hypertensive patient the first time. And that was basically done on 10 years of data of 8 million people. Um, so AI holds a huge opportunity, I think, for us to practice medicine at a much higher level. And we're already, we're already actually executing on that today. Yeah, it's, uh, I know we've, we've heard AI, like AI has done wonders for, for numerous industries, right? But it, for a while it was kind of slow in healthcare and it's, it's picking up. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see how you're using it and then how you think it'll play into the future of healthcare. My, my last kind of question that I wanted to go through with having you on the show today is around basically, um, it's it's around your view on whether like advanced or direct primary care, which provides uh, better access in your opinion. Yeah, uh, so big proponent of the idea of, of that mention of access, and I think either um, advanced or direct, whichever uh, adjective you, we want to use it. The idea of taking a, a patient panel for physicians and making it significantly smaller, having an employer typically fund right that excess capacity or access so that docs can can be available to the patients, very different than the traditional network model, right, of a PPO provider. Um, I think it's a, it's a great model because it does accomplish some of the things I, I opened with. I think our view is um, there's a lot of room in this space. As we, we said, it's, it's underfunded and there's a primary care deficit. So we'd like to see multiple re, uh, uh, models roll out, including ours, obviously. And the reason I think ours has a fit and does many of the exact same things advanced primary care does um, is it's, it's, it's scalable though, right? So we can do it at a lot less cost. We can get those doctors operating much more efficient at the top of their license. We can do it across the entire country, not just where an advanced primary care clinic is at. So I think there's room for all of us in the, in the, in the mix. I think we're all trying to get after many of those things I said, access cost. I think we do, uh, um, if you look, look at unit costs or cap fees, I think we're a more, much more cost-effective way to do it, but we're all after the same thing. I think that's better outcomes in the end. I love it. Um, what I would really be interested, Brad, in having you come back on the show and on uh, one of our panels where we go through a lot of these topics, right? Like uh, the future of primary care, where we, we go through kind of what that all looks like with uh, a bunch of your peers from these different organizations. You're, you're all, um, you know, targeting, you all have a great mission. So we've been doing a lot more of that. Would love to have you come back on at some point to, to do one of those. Um, but again, really appreciate you coming on for this episode to share your thoughts. Tell us a little bit more about hydrogen health and uh, just talk primary care. Really appreciate well, it. Thanks, Jared, for the time. And I'd love to come back if, uh, if you'd have me. So appreciate the time.